A couple weeks back, I preached a message about the Thessalonians and receiving the word of Paul. And it was through that embracing of the word that they had made it theirs, that they were able to, they were able to be distinguished from other churches, that there was something about what was going on in their church that made them different. It was this receiving more than a head knowledge. It had taken root in them because they had welcomed it. They had taken hold of the word. Even as I went home that evening, I was thinking, I was feeling the Lord was already speaking this message this morning in connection with that about embracing the word. Can I embrace all of it? Is it all, all of the word? Is it for me? And I found this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, let me just give you a little background on what's happening here in 2 in Second Corinthians chapter 1. Paul vindicates himself because the, the, some people had taken issue that he hadn't come and visited them. He said he was coming and then he didn't get to come right away. And so they took issue with this and they were beginning to defame his character saying, Okay, you know, he's, his, his yes isn't yes. But he makes use of this opportunity by exalting the truth of God's mercy through Jesus Christ by saying and showing that God's promises are true. And when God fulfills them, God does not vacillate. And Paul is saying, neither do I vacillate. It is God's yes is yes. So Paul is saying, my heart is not divided towards you because God's heart is not divided towards you. If you belong to Christ in faith, then everything God could give you is possibly open for us. He has signed over the account in Christ to us. You hear the same answer at every point. It is this promise in my account. Yes. Is the blessing in my account. Yes. Is all the promises of in Christ in my account. Yes. The second half of this verse says that he uses the word there, he says, Amen. It's a word that's taken in the Greek to mean a strong affirmation. A formal, solemn, earnest agreement. I affirm what you just said. This is true. Amen is that earnest yes of addressing God. So you see here, he's saying in the first part of the verse, he's saying Jesus, or God is saying yes to us. And then the second answer back for us is, we say yes or amen to it. Notice the connection between the two halves. The first half, where God's saying yes, that all the promises are from him. And then we say amen to that in Christ Jesus. The amen is from us. The yes is from us. God's yes and amen is to you. It is awaiting your yes and amen to Him. The yes is in God's voice. The amen is in man's voice. So we see what is promised here. Albert Barnes says what he's promising here in this scripture is this. The promises of God which are made through Christ relate to the pardon of sin to the penitent. The sanctification of His people. Support in temptation and trial. Guidance in perplexity. Peace in death. And eternal glory beyond the grave. All these are made through a Redeemer. None of these shall fail. I, love, I, I, I came up with these in addition to it. His love is making the promise. His power in carrying out the promise. His grace in fulfilling the promise. One commentary says this about our lives, and I couldn't find out who actually wrote this, but it says, Promises cover the whole period of human life. 
They meet us at birth. They cluster about our childhood. They overhang our youth. They go into companies, into manhood with us. They divide themselves into bands and stand at the door of every possible experience. Therefore, there are those promises of God to, to the ignorant, poor, oppressed, and discouraged, etc. To every affection, to every sphere of duty, to all perils and temptations. There are promises for joy, sorrow, victory, defeat, adversity, prosperity, etc. Old age has its garlands as full and fragrant as youth. All men everywhere and always have their promises of God. I thought that kind of just opened up the door to what this looks like. So Paul, is, he's talking about this, but he's talking about, is he talking about Old Testament promises too? I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It says, And all these people, Paul speaking here, still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. He's talking about the Old Testament as they looked forward. They hadn't received the promise that you and I have today. They hadn't seen. They all, all they could do was look forward. As we look back at what Christ did, they were looking forward. Everything is a shadow of what God was going to do, bringing Jesus. Take a moment this morning. As you look at Paul's teaching, I want to give you just a little bit of an experience of how this divides out when you look at faith and this promise that he's talking about. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says there, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, this is nothing more than a reaffirming of Deuteronomy 32.35. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, God says. In due time their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. This is an Old Testament concept. This was the, the, they hadn't understood the complete promise yet. But then Paul takes it to the next level. In the very next verse, in verse 20, he says this, and I think I preached on this not too long ago. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. See, the old, where the Old Testament stopped with a command not to take vengeance... The New Testament takes it one step further and says, now I want you to love your enemies. Remember, Jesus said it like this. You've heard it said of men of old. Don't, don't commit adultery. He says, but I tell you, if you look at a woman with, with lust in your heart, You've already sinned. You've already committed adultery. See, the promise took us to the next step. See, before there was this, this black and white, but now through the promise of Jesus, now all of a sudden there's more of an expectation for us. The promise has been received. He's saying, listen, you have this. You have this in earthen vessels, he says. This treasure. Jesus took this a little bit further. He said it like this. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may, may be children of your Father in heaven. I was looking at this just for a moment. I was thinking, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then he comments, he says, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. As if, if we don't do this, we're not children of His. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Peter said it like this about the promise. He said, though these, in, in 1 Peter 1.4, through these things He has given us a very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped corruption in the world caused by its evil desires. See, the law was powerless to change us, to transform our nature. But this is the promise in Christ. This is the promise that He has given us, that we can participate in His nature. See, he's, that's why he's saying, listen, now all of a sudden, we're, I said before, don't take vengeance. Now I'm telling you, love your enemies. How can he tell us that? It's because he has given us his nature. The promise that he has given us has changed us from the inside out. Not just this law that says don't do it. Now it says, now I can actually do this in Christ because of the promise that he has given me. I want you to track with me just for a minute, okay? I'm going to try to lay this out even a little bit further in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Again, he's talking about a promise. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. Scripture does not say to and to seeds, meaning many people, but and your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in His grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What was being fulfilled there was singular. See, he says the promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. See, they thought it was going to come through the nation of Israel, through this mass group. But he was saying, listen, it's going to come to one. Meaning one person who is in Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of all things. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Romans 10.4 See, Paul recognizes that in Genesis, this place of hope was not on a corporate Israel, but upon a single male royal messianic deliverer. And now that offspring has come. If you are Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs this morning of that promise. For Paul, only in Christ... Can anyone inherit this Old Testament promise? It's like this. I'm going to lay it out like this. It's like this. See, God makes the promise to to Abraham and his seed. Christ is the seed. Faith, then, our believing in Christ unites us with Christ, and our union with Christ makes us seed with Him. And thus, we become heirs of these promises. See, these Old Testament promises reach believers only through Christ. I don't just automatically get them. I automatically get them because I am in Christ. Because He is the seed. So the question this morning I want to ask you is, are you living to the fullness enjoyment of God's yes in Christ this morning to you? Or put it another way, have you said yes to all of God's yeses in your life? Or have you said When God said yes to you, have you said, well, no, or maybe not now? 
My yes is to everything God has for me. God's heart towards you this morning is this. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. All promises of God for the good of His people focus through Christ. He confirms them and secures them and purchases them for all of us who belong in Him and all who believe. I've, I looked at it like this, this couple years ago when I was praying about what God was going to do with us here. I remember God speaking to me specifically and saying, listen, I have an account in heaven. And Greg, as you need those things, I am going to deliver. But you're going to have to make the withdrawal. You're going to have to make the demand upon that account if you want to see it. How do I make that demand on the account? By prayer, by intercession, by coming before God. But he said, everything you need, everything you're in need of, I will supply for you. See, every sinner who comes to God in Christ, with all, his, with all his needs, finds God coming to him in Christ with all his promises. When a sinful person meets the holy God in Christ, what he hears is yes. Do you love me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you accept me? Yes. Yes. Will you help me change? Yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep me? Yes. Will you show me your glory? Yes. All the promises of God, all the blessings of God in heavenly places are yes in Christ Jesus. Jesus is God's decisive yes to all who believe. You are pre-qualified for all that God has promised. I will supply your needs according to my riches in glory. You can bank on it. God has in reserve all I need to carry out His plans and His purposes. He has given me everything I need. That's why Jesus could say this as He walked the earth in Matthew 6.31. He says, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Why? Because I'm going to supply that need. I'm going to take care of you. Jesus already knew the promise. Paul put it to pen to paper. I can honestly say this morning. See, this is a problem with us as Americans. I need a safe, reliable car. That's not something. That, is, that could be a necessity. But does it mean I need a brand new car? Does it mean I need the best car? Does it mean I need everything that, that you know, the world has? No! In fact, sometimes I feel like I need to downsize. There's a lot of things that I get involved in right now. And God says, you don't, do you really need that? Have I overspent in areas? Have I allowed myself to come upside down so I can find myself in a position where God doesn't want me? I said this a couple weeks ago. I need to put a cap on how I'm living because sometimes I can, I can extend beyond where God wants me to be. Did he promise me to be healthy and wealthy? Or did he tell me that he would take care of everything, all of my needs? Yes, he did. There used to be a song Keith Green sang back in probably the 70s. He was killed in an airplane accident. But he said, he'll take care of the rest. He's going to do it. He'll take care of the rest. There's a part that he says, remember Noah. Remember Noah, he was getting in the ark. He says, when there wasn't a cloud in the sky, God said, listen, just let me take care of it. And there are those times, but the problem is, is if I put myself in a position, God is not going to take care of me if I put myself outside His will or outside His plan or step over into a place where I don't belong. 
See, he's, he only has me as long as he owns me, as much as he's got me. If I go out and spin frivolously or foolishly, God's saying, listen, I didn't plan that for you. I said I would take care of your needs. I didn't tell you I was going to take, do all this other foolishness. Through the flames, through the fire, in the good, in the bad. Paul said it like this in John 16.33. Here's a promise from God. I have told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Peter said it, and that sounds like a great promise. Yuck, huh? 1 Peter 4.19 So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Yuck, that's another great promise. I want to just put that one on my wall. Think about this, just before he spoke these things in Corinthians, we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, and verse 8 he says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we were despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened, that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. See, sometimes God allows us to go through these most desperate, dire, yucky situations. So He says, listen, so you won't depend upon yourself, you can depend upon Me. I don't know how you can go through the New Testament. You see this over and over again. The, the stories of how these people had to suffer and the things that they went through and think that it's supposed to be any different for us today. So I'm going to give you these promissory notes this morning. These are the promise, promissory warnings about the promise. Don't confuse a promise with a principle. Promises are always fulfilled. Principles are general truths. What are you talking about this morning? I want you to look in, in Proverbs 22.6. We all know this scripture. The New American Standard says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is this a promise or is this a principle? See, if you look at what Proverbs were, what were, the, what were Proverbs? They were Solomon's wisdom as he watched the things he observed. And that's exactly what he's talking about. He says, what I've seen is this. When you train up a child in the way he will go, when he's old, he won't depart from it. It's not a promise. It's simply an observation saying, this is what can happen. It's a principle. This isn't a promise. How many of us, how many people have felt guilty because their kids went astray? They went a different direction than they thought they were going to go. Some of you have kids that are still out there. You tried to praise them in the right way. They chose a different path. Feel guilty because, well, you know what? I've always heard this is a, pro this is a promise. If you do this, it's got to happen. No, it's a principle. Pro Solomon was saying, yeah, I've observed this happening. The second thing is this, ignoring the context. You, you, we have to remember who the original audience, I've said this before, it's historical, cultural, textual context. A promise was made to a specific purpose, person, has a specific reason, and no further applications beyond its immediate context. There are times when there is a situation, I'm going to give you one in, in, in a little bit here at the end, but I, I want you to see there are these situations that are specific to the Bible for a specific person, person, and it only had an end right here. And then somehow we'll take that scripture and go, okay, well, that's for me. I'm going to take that one. 
Yeah, that's my promise. And God's like, no, that promise was for him. God gives us each individual promises at times. But they're not all, because I'm going to show you some more today. If you want them, you can have them. But there's some yucky ones in there, just like I gave you before. (laughs) God's promise to Abraham that he was going to have a land and he was going to have offspring. Does that mean that I can have a house and children? That doesn't, it's not a promise for me. That was a promise for Abraham. Then the next thing is overlooking the if. Some promises are conditional. God grants us wisdom in James 1.4. If we ask, he says. There are these ifs. Remember in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. There is this if before it. There's this contingency. If I do this, God promises this. And he's promising it to a people. Not just an individual. The same thing is over the tithe. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to be blessed. Well, if, if I don't, and the Bible talks about if, if, I, if I tithe, he says, test me and see if I won't pour out a blessing. But there is this contingency, if I do what's right on this side, God says, I will give you this other promise. And sometimes it's not even financial, it's just simply the gain that God gives us in life through all the prosperity that He gives us. Sometimes prosperity doesn't even come in monetary value. The next is choosing promises selectively. I'm going to give you a scripture this morning in Exodus 14, 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. There you go. That's why I just sit. That's why I don't pray. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to fight. Because this word right here, the Lord says, just sit here and I'll fight for you. Sit still. But see, (laughs) once again, three chapters before this, he's telling him, go into battle. You're going to have to... So what I'm getting at is there are scriptures, if we're not careful, we can can always selectively say, oh, this is what God's saying to me right here. But no, what's the overall? What is God saying in this situation? And what's He saying to us? Not using it manipulatively. Using a promise manipulatively. I'm going to give you a scripture this morning that we've probably all heard. Matthew 18.20 says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. In fact, the verse before that says, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. The context of that scripture is about forgiving your brother. And somehow, we as a charismatic church have taken it, and it's become this mantra to do spiritual warfare with, when it was really talking about going into a situation, and you have ought against your brother or unforgiveness, and here is how you, you take care of it. And he gives us this example. James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. This is another promissory. The next thing is limiting a promise to your own understanding. Sometimes I believe that we look at these situations and we go, well, God must mean this for me. And then as the time goes on, we realize, eh, I didn't really have a good understanding of that whole situation at all until later on when God shows us what that looks like. God promises specific things, specific things to your situation. 
There are other promises God gives in the Word. He promises to give us wisdom if we ask. He promises to provide a way out of temptation. He promises that our salvation is secure. He promises never to leave us nor forsake it. He promises to finish the good work He has begun in us. He promises that He's coming back. These are all promises, although they may not be the smattering loved ones that we want to hear that make us all feel good inside and give us that specific, but they are the things that God says, listen, I've made you these promises, and they are real and they are alive, and they are something you can bank upon. The promises are sure and steadfast. I want you to know this morning, some of you do know this because you've been through life and it says this, we are not promised certainty in our circumstances, but we are promised certainty in the God of our circumstances. I can't promise you that you're not going to go through difficult situations. I cannot promise you. I've had, I've had, in fact, I had a pastor at one time, it was a friend of mine, and for years, he would, he would just have this concrete, okay, all you got to do is this, and it, everything's going to be flow out of that. And I'm, and I'm like, man, you know, how does that explain the, the people who uh, were persecuted during the, the Nazi concentration camps? How does, that, how does that go in line with people in, in other countries who are having difficulty? How does this line up with all these other things? And it can't. Because the reality is, there is no certainty in our circumstances. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. But we do know this. We have an anchor in the midst of all that. We have a certainty of our God in our circumstances. That we know that He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not shifting like the shifting sands. He is something concrete. We can, we can anchor ourselves to that. God's promise is in God's time. We can only have these promises fulfilled in Christ. That's how they're promised. He is the culmination of all things. Remember, the promise came to Abraham who waited 25 years for it to come to fulfillment. God's promise is reliable, it's concrete, and it's steadfast. So here's, a con- here's one put on your wall this morning. This came from the mouth of a prophet. 2 Kings 21 In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, said to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You're not going to recover. See, there are times in our lives where the promise isn't what we even want. The promise can be painful. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says it like this, Then therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from all, everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of our reverence for God. True promises have everything to do with God and not about me. Sometimes they're not even about my circumstances. God is wanting to produce something in me through the circumstances. I can tell someone who has graduated to the greater things of God, their thoughts move from me to Him. Their talk moves from themselves to God. They begin to see the bigger picture. They're able to comprehend the, the, the greater good of what God's doing in the situation. Even though they may not be able to pinpoint it, they know that God has something He's at work. So this morning, I want you to know you have a promise keeper. Psalms 121.5 says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. This morning, I know this. There have been times in our lives when Connie was desperately sick back in 
2009 and 10, and we thought maybe she wasn't even going to live. I was feeding her through a, a, a tube. And I remember outside praying, and I was praying over the situation, and I remember God saying, I'm going to heal her. Specifically telling me that. And I remember saying, God, well, we don't deserve this. And in the midst of it, it nothing happened. Time went on and nothing happened. And then eventually God began to do a work. God sent us to the right place. And, and you can see her today. I mean, she was probably 90 pounds back in those days. Barely able to live. I was thinking about the healing of a man Pastor Mark was telling me about just this last week. He said, Greg, I was contacted by a guy that used to go to our church. And he was a kind of a, a small little man, nothing, no, no spiritual giant by any means. But he, the only way I could describe him is he was a man of the word. And he moved on. I think he lived in Bakersfield now. And he goes, and he, as he left from our church, I, I thought he was going to die because he was just in that bad shape. He had cancer and his body was riddled. And in fact, when he, when he talked to me most recently, he told me how the cancer had come out of his, actually out of his brain. It was, it was stuck on the outsides of his head. And by all means, Pastor Mark says, I didn't think I'd ever see the man again. He says, Greg, he called me last week. And he said that he got on his face before God and he just felt this urging in his spirit that God wanted to do something. So he got on his face and he prayed through all day long and he just, God, I don't know what, what, what you have, but I'm, I'm just going to get on my face before you. And that evening, as he went to bed, he showered before he went to bed and he remembers as he was washing himself, he looked down in the drain and he saw two black spots going down the drain. He didn't look at his face or anything that night. He went to bed. He said he woke up the next morning and it was as if the, his face was like the face of a baby. Everything was gone. The reason I tell you this is when we heard the story, it encouraged us and, and immediately I prayed for Pastor Mark and, and as you know, the mass that was in his body is gone. And it was just, there are these times and these occasions when God just supernaturally intervenes. I don't understand it, why He heals here and He doesn't heal other situations. I don't know, but I want you to know this morning, you have a promise in God. You have a promise keeper. In Isaiah 41.10, you can put this to memory, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I want you to see how personal God makes this to Isaiah. He says, for I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen. I will uphold you. Not just some abstract thing. He says, no, I will do this for you. This morning, God wants you to know that he is with you. In the midst of every storm, every trial, whatever it is you're going through this morning, he says, I am with you. Those are promises that we can hold on to. This morning as I close, we used to sing this song. I think it's actually a vineyard song. But it says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Some of you remember this song from years ago. We're going to close with that song, but I want that to be our our vibrato back to God this morning as He says yes to the promises that He's given us. I want you to know this morning, our answer back is amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Let's all stand.